0: Do you have any general belief or concern about the period we're in right now where the enemy's hard to detect? You could do it discriminately in terms of ethnic background or national background, which might be more appropriate in some cases. But do you worry about our sort of civil liberties protections in this country we've harbored all these years in an environment of terrorism?
1: Well, of course. Uh, I, look. Um one of my favorite sayings is a, is a saying that, that I swear is attributable to Lord Acton, the, the um, British political philosopher, uh, but I can never find out where it, where it is in his writings, but it's there somewhere. That society is the freest, which is the most responsible. The Constitution just sets minimal restrictions upon what the state can do. Most of your freedoms aren't guaranteed by the Constitution, they're guaranteed simply by the, by the legislative practices that have been adopted by the society. And if you think that those things don't change when the society becomes more irresponsible, uh, you're, you're, you're just foolish. Uh, in, in Victorian England, in order to arrest a person, the constable had to walk up to the individual, lay his hand on his shoulder and say, I arrest you in the name of the queen. Try that in Dodge City. You know, in, 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 you you cannot afford the uh, the scope of liberty that exists in, in a responsible society, in a society that has become lawless and uh, and dangerous. I, I mean, and and there is no way to uh, to gainsay that. Now, I you know, my court will never let the the level of freedom go beyond that minimum which the Constitution establishes, but that, that's just a minimum.
0: We have a, a doctrine right now which is obviously controversial, preemption in foreign policy where we see a government that we think is a threat, imminent or potential, and we act against it aggressively. In the terms of the law, I would like to ask you about the problem we faced here, and it's going to continue, I think. A certain gentleman named Muhammad Atta gets on a plane in Portland, Portland Maine, and takes a commuter flight to Boston and takes that plane into the World Trade Center. How in the world can a, can a criminal justice system that's based upon punishment rather than preemption keep that from happening without resorting to some kind of profiling, some kind of observation of people that it would allow them to detect a crime
1: in the making? Well, I, I and don't, you
0: have I, to I don't stop know. I don't know. I, I
1: haven't said, I haven't said, I don't think anybody has said That all profiling is is uh, is is unlawful. I mean, if you know a a crime has just been committed by a Jamaican drug dealer, you look for a Jamaican. I mean, and anybody who says that's unlawful uh, uh, profiling is absurd. How do you catch 19
0: guys with clean records who've just come? Most of them have just come to the country.
1: What do you mean? Well, in this case, I'm I'm talking about the terrible
0: question of our time, which is how does a free society maintain its security using traditional tools of criminal justice? I think
1: think a degree of legitimate profiling, I don't think anybody uh, denies that, is is part of the the, the legitimate tools. If if you think the terrorists are coming from Iran, you are especially careful about uh, immigrants or immigration applicants from Iran, and you don't. Waste your time, uh, you know, reviewing Australians. That, 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 you know the the, the, concept, the the Bill of Rights is not a suicide pact. Put it that way.
0: You'd be a good guest on my show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it would ruin everybody's life. But go ahead, next, next guy. <laughs> uh, My name is Nick Moline. I'm at Oxford University right now. Uh, the 2000 election probably presented America with one of the most controversial Supreme Court decisions in our history. And depending upon your political affiliation, you either support the decision or are against it. But usually it has to do with politics rather than with whether or not it was constitutional or, or unconstitutional. How should America interpret this decision? And if it is a political decision made by the Supreme Court, what are the implications for separation of powers? Well, to begin with, I do not agree with your premise that, uh, that, that whether you accept the decision or not depends upon whether you're a Republican or, or Democrat. The polls showed uh, overwhelming acceptance of the, uh, of the opinion, even though the election was, was you 51-49, know, uh, and maybe 51-49 in the other direction, uh, depending on whose count you use, I guess. Uh, so, I, you know, I just don't think that's true. I think most Americans, uh, except for, you know, dyed-in-the-wool uh, 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 partisans, uh, accepted the decision of the court. Uh, look, w- we did not initiate the case, nor were we the first court to get involved in the case. We didn't go looking for trouble. The, the, the court that intervened in the political process was the Supreme Court of Florida. And in the ordinary course of appeal, the party that lost in that court sought to come before my court. Now, what, what would one expect my court to do? Decline to take the case because it was not important enough? <laughs> there were federal v- violations of the federal constitution alleged, not these imaginary uh, made up rights, uh, such as uh, the right to an abortion, but Rights that are grounded in the text of the Constitution, to wit, denial of equal protection of the laws and violation of that provision of the Constitution, which says that the manner of selecting presidential electors shall be determined by the legislature of the state. And the claim was that what the Florida Supreme Court had done bore so little resemblance to what the legislature had written that that provision was violated. So, uh, you know. Uh, now, did, did the court perhaps lose some, some, did its prestige suffer? Perhaps so, but, but you know, I don't, uh, I don't think that the court's prestige is, is meant to be, it, it, it's like a, 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 a shiny breastplate, a piece of armor that's meant to be shown off on a mantelpiece. It's, it's meant for battle. The reason we have the prestige is precisely so that in a tough case like that, the American people will give us the benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, it was a political case, but somebody had to decide it, and and, you know, I think the court did its best, and it did. And don't forget that on the principal issue of, of the, whether there had been a violation of the Constitution, the vote was seven to two. It was only five to four on what the remedy should be.
0: Didn't it seem an odd distribution of votes, though, Normally the conservatives on the court would be a little more hesitant to go after their equal protection and the liberals would be the ones who would be most intent on it. In this case, it seemed to switch though. The liberals on the court voted and those were the two, and in the final decision, that the liberals were on the minority position, and they're normally the ones most protective of the Equal Protection Law, wasn't there a switch in terms of
1: partisanship there? It's not so at all. I, you know, that's 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 this, this argument. Uh, uh, Scalia is not supposed to be in favor of judicial activism, but he has struck down this congressional statute. Uh, look, I, I, by by being against. By judicial activism, I do not mean actively doing what you're supposed to do. I will enforce the Equal Protection Clause in those areas where it is clearly being violated. You think I vote with uh uh, uh, vote against our, our, our racial discrimination cases, because I don't believe in the, in the I mean, it's ridiculous.
0: What do you think of the Florida Supreme Court? I thought they were far more activist than even the Warren Court. It seemed like they ignored the law books, the Lord, uh, ignored the statutes, ignored the state legislature. They were just sitting up there thinking, how can we make sure that everybody who had any intent to vote any direction have that vote honored?
1: You said it. I didn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, you're, sir. No. You, sir. You, sir. next.
1: Thank you, uh, sir. I- I wanted to talk about uh, the, some of the uh, big cases that, that you mentioned earlier. And I, I read recently a uh, discussion of Roe v. Wade. and It was framed in the, uh, the context of, at the time the case was taken up, there were several states that had passed uh, abortion laws, and, and more that had them under consideration. And what this person in this periodical stipulated or, or theorized was that the lack of the debate, the legislative debate, uh... has divided the country and that is what uh... that is what the issue is is that we never really had a public debate on the issue and i just ask for your comments well you know again i don't think the problem with roe versus wade uh, any more than the problem with brown is is that you like the result or you don't like it the result was good for the country or bad for the country that's not the principal issue to me to me the principal issue is the process whether the court decided that in in the correct process now what you should understand and the reason we're having all the difficulties in getting even court of appeals judges confirmed nowadays is that for 50 years we have been going, you never gave me a chance to answer that question about the living constitution. For 50 years we have been going down the road of the living constitution. That is a constitution that means whatever we think it ought to be. If we think there ought to be a right to this, there is. If we think there ought not to be, it's gone. The people and, and the way this has been done uh, jurisprudentially is that the court, the, the principal way it's been done, is that the court has taken a text of the Constitution which confers a procedural guarantee. Clearly, a procedural: no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Can you be deprived of liberty? Yes, but not without due process. But the court has said, no, that's not just a procedural guarantee. It is also a substantive guarantee because, says the court, there are some liberties that are so important that no process suffices to guarantee them. Now, once you adopt that theory of the law, it is, it is called substantive due process. You know, which is an idiotic phrase, inasmuch as substance and procedure are opposites, but never mind that. Uh, once, once you adopt that position, the consequence is that the court is absolutely free from the text of the Constitution. It's simply up to us what liberty that is not mentioned in the Constitution is so important in our view that it cannot be taken away. We had a case argued last term or the term before last, asserting a constitutional right for grandparents to visit their grandchildren. Asserting that any state law which gave custody to parents and enabled the parents to exclude visitation by grandparents was unconstitutional. I mean, that boggles the mind. But, but. If, if that can be seriously argued before the Supreme Court as it was It's clear that nothing but the human imagination limits the the, the rights that can be created by the Supreme Court, which means that the Supreme Court has become the most powerful political institution in Washington, which is exactly why the people have come to understand that. And we are having a terrible time getting new judges appointed because we're not looking for good lawyers we're looking for people who agree with us whether grandparents ought to visit their grandchildren whether there <laughs> ought to be a whether there ought to be a right to an abortion but you're
0: you're right. but you're you're making it so small and de minimis. The the, the public accommodations law of 1964, which basically said that black people could go to lunch counters, they could go to hotels all over the south, who weren't allowed to do it up until that law was passed, was based upon a provision of the Interstate Commerce Clause, right? The Interstate Commerce Clause obviously wasn't intended to protect the right of a black person to walk into a drug store and get a cheese cheese sandwich, but it was used that way. And wasn't that good for the country that it was done that way? The courts upheld that.
1: I, I, I don't...
0: Uh, was that, a, but that, certainly the original ten of... Well, what Interstate makes you think Com- I'm against those cases? That's wonder, a law.
1: I'm, I'm in favor of laws. I, but but, <laughs> but, the court didn't invent that provision, did it? Somebody debated it, and well, they... adopted was they a
0: stretch. Ad- Wasn't it a real stretch? Interstate Commerce clause covers it? every transaction yeah. in anywhere in the country. Well,
1: if it was a stretch, it's... Because a, you might have a Campbell a stretch, suit camp on the shelf somewhere. It's a that's stretch Interstate that's Commerce. been with us for a century. I mean, and You don't mind stretching, but not living. And listen, from the beginning... <laughs> From the beginning, the Commerce Clause was used for purposes other than the mere regulation of commerce. In in the in the early and mid 1800s, uh, Congress uh, prohibited, for example, the interstate transmission of lottery tickets. Now, you know, it's obviously using the Commerce Clause for uh, for some other purpose, and and that, that's happened from it's the okay. beginning.
0: It's okay. Of course,
1: that's you have great. the power to to regulate commerce, it doesn't say, and the only purpose for which you can regulate it is to make people richer or poorer, it doesn't say that.
0: Well, I'm gonna have to end it here, and I've hogged too much of the time, but this is too fascinating. Thank you, Mr. Justice, thank you.